Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new an improved parlay hub filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Baby, welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ John Zastrzemski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And I may be in a particularly good mood after my football team earlier today and after I just snaked that Pittsburgh Steeler cover, which we will get to in a little bit. But I know for most of you, I probably got to dial it down and I got to bring it down a notch after some of you saw your football team. And then your basketball team lose in a day-night capacity. And yeah, I know. The Knicks, I'm a little bummed out about. We'll get to that momentarily. But just too much giddiness with the football, for me at least, to be in a negative and to be in a lousy mood. And from a Jets standpoint, I can actually find positives from this game against the Miami Dolphins. I know Miami's not a particularly good team. I know a whole lot of Jeff fans were not happy about the fact that Joe Flacco ended up starting this game. And listen, I would have preferred seeing Mike White out there, quite frankly. But I do think we should acknowledge and I do think we should realize at least the logic behind what they were thinking in playing Joe Flacco coming to fruition in this game against the Dolphins. Some of you are going to be wondering, saying, JJ, what the hell are you talking about? What I'm talking about is this evolution and this sort of breakout campaign over the last couple of games for Elijah Moore. Miami Dolphins have terrific cornerbacks. David Howard's one of the best in football. Byron Jones, even though he's grossly overpaid, he still kind of profiles as, you know, a top 20, top 25 corner, give or take. They had no answer for Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore was making big plays when this was a seven-point game. On that third and eight, he's making that miss. He's taking it basically 50, 60 yards to the house for a touchdown. Those are the sort of players that are going to excite you. I know the Joe Douglas draft class of 2020 is taking a lot of heat. It's taking a whole lot of shit, and rightfully so. The 2021 class? Vera Tucker, player. Elijah Moore, player. And I think one of the key factors in this game that really hurt the New York Jets, losing Michael Carter early in the third quarter. Because Michael Carter was making plays, including right after the two interception, takes a run basically 35, 40 yards, sets up the Jets touchdown. And good for Robert Sala. Two, two things I noticed. One, he didn't take a delay game penalty. He actually called the timeout. We like to see coaches learning from their mistakes. That's number one. Number two, he actually went for it on fourth and down when there are a lot of cowardly coaches within the NFL that probably end up kicking a field goal. So I I applaud Robert Sala for that. Now, Jets, 
Defensively, we're a little bit better than they were against Indianapolis and Buffalo, but not great. Tua basically threw for 300 yards. Hit Mac Hollins on a 60, 70-yard touchdown with probably the longest run I've ever seen Tua making in Miami Dolphin uniform. And the Jet defense still is too inexperienced. They still have too many issues, too many lapses, too many breakdowns. And even when they were winning this game at the point of attack, you kind of had a feeling sooner or later that was going to run out. When you have about four or five drives in Miami Dolphin territory in which you're coming away with absolutely nothing. And that's why the Jets lost this game. I'll preach the positive on a guy like Elijah Moore. I'd be encouraged about what you saw from Michael Carter, but you get about four or five possessions in Dolphin territory. You got to come away with points. And the Jets made too many mistakes that ended up costing themselves this ballgame. The Joe Flacco intentional grounding, missing field goals, the critical, critical, critical penalty on third down that extended a Miami Dolphin drive that allowed them to score the go-ahead touchdown. That is the sort of stuff that losing football teams tend to do over and over and over again. That is the sort of stuff that needs to end from a New York Jets perspective. That'll kill you. And I actually thought at the end of this first half, Amendola misses the 55-yard field goal, which, quite frankly, I know he's got the boot. I know he's got the leg. I didn't like the decision to kick it. Miami then proceeded to run as conservative a two-minute drill as you're ever going to see. And then Jason Sanders, who was money last year, he misses a field goal. And I'm like, geez, the Dolphins are going to lose this game. Because I thought it had all the makings of the Dolphins going and losing this game. But when you got four or five possessions in your opponent's territory and you're coming away with zeros, it's losing football. That's got to change. That's something this team needs to grow out of between now and the end of this year. More competitive, more spirited, positives, yes. There are positives. I can't believe that I'm actually preaching a couple of positives from a Jets standpoint, but I am because I know I'm thinking about this team from next year and beyond. The key now for the rest of this year, when you get out of Thanksgiving, when you got some softer games that are coming up on the schedule, it's simply this. You got to get Zach Wilson back on the field. I don't know his health. I don't know his status. He's got to be out there playing against the Houston Texans next Sunday because you want to see him develop that chemistry more. You want to see this offense run the way it did basically for Mike White in the Cincinnati game and basically the way it ran for Joe Flacco in most of this game against Miami. This way you got to give the play calling some credit. Now, they had a couple of bad third down play calls. There was some creativity. There was some movement. There was a decent competence in handling the zero blitz that the Miami Dolphins threw out there. But in order to really feel better, I guess you could say, about the Jets and where they're going as a franchise, it's the idea of seeing these young players grow with the young quarterback. That and then getting like Franklin Myers' dumb penalties out of his system, then you might be working with something. But a close but no cigar effort for the Jets. Too many mistakes. Too many self-inflicted wounds. 24-17 at the hands of my beloved Miami Dolphins. Three in a row for the Dolphins. Break them up. Break them up. Win the Carolina game next week, and I get a little pep in my step going down to South Florida for the Giant game. As far as the Knicks are concerned, I'm watching the game yesterday. There's 10 zillion things on it. I'm watching that first quarter against the Houston Rockets. It was easily the worst first quarter of Knicks basketball I've watched in the Tom Thibodeau era. It was beyond pathetic considering how lousy the Houston Rockets are. The Knicks survived on Saturday. Burks was great quickly made some big plays, hit some big shots, and they got out of it with a victory. And I actually expected them to get routed tonight in Chicago because it was the second night of a back-to-back. They beat Chicago earlier in the year. I know Vucevic isn't playing right now for the Bulls, but I hated, hated, hated his spot for the Knicks. And it was a far more competitive game than I thought it was going to be. Not good enough. Not something that you should be applauding 
But sometimes you have those games in an NBA season where you're almost expecting the worst. This was one of those games for me. Knicks got off to a rocky start. This was finally the sort of game that you've been looking to see from Julius Randle that has been lacking, that has been missing. Certainly did not see that Wednesday when we were in the building against the Orlando Magic. And he even see it yesterday against the Houston Rockets. Randall was in the zone. He played great with Kemba Walker in the third quarter. And you thought after the Knicks finally put together real strong in a real solid third quarter that maybe, just maybe, they could sneak this game from the Chicago Bulls. Not to be. And there are certain guys that are working their way onto my crap list. Colby White, I forgot how much he has tormented my teams. Because you got to remember, he played his college ball at North Carolina, killed Syracuse, lit up the 2-3 zone. And notice I'm not referencing that disaster against Colgate over the weekend. Don't even get me started with that. But Colby White killed Syracuse and now makes a habit of killing the Knicks. Feels like he doesn't kill anybody else. But last year he killed the Knicks. The year before that he killed the Knicks. Tonight, he kills the Knicks. And that game basically turned from a three-point Nick lead to like a six-point Chicago lead. Boom, with the snap of a finger. The Nick defense is clearly not at the same level that it was at last year. And there just seems to be this element of disconnect. What you're getting out of your starters, what you're getting out of your bench. And it's problematic for Tom Thibodeau and company. Sooner or later, you got to think that this starting lineup is going to get their acting gear. You liked what you saw in the third quarter because it was a lot of those guys, specifically Randall and Walker kind of playing side by side. But I'm wondering when the tinkering of the rotation and the lineup is going to come. And I'm not one of those guys that normally drools this sort of stuff, but it's just been painfully obvious when you watch the Knicks play on a night-in, night-out basis. And what's problematic for the Knicks is they kind of went through what was in many ways the softer portion of their schedule. They will be tested quite a bit over the next couple of weeks. Where you got the Lakers. We'll see if LeBron's playing. Who the hell knows? After his little run-in with Isaiah Stewart. You got Phoenix, who's as hot as anybody. You got Atlanta. And you know emotions are going to be running high in that game. You got Brooklyn. You got Chicago. You got Denver. You got Milwaukee. You got Golden State. Those are all games that you have coming up basically in a three-week stretch. So what I'm telling the Nick fan is, you better be careful here. And this is where Tom Thibodeau needs to iron some things out with this team to get them back to playing the sort of high caliber, high quality of basketball that we saw last year. They have taken a little bit of a step back here over the last couple of weeks. Is that kind of the ebbs and flows of an 82-game season? Maybe. Or is it deeper-rooted issues within this team that are only going to get worse as the schedule gets better? Like the fight in the Knicks tonight. I did. I like the fight. Second night of a back-to-back. The execution, specifically defensively, got to be a heck of a lot better. And you better hope there's a lot more of this Julius Randle coming your way over the next few weeks. All right, we'll run around the league. I'm still buzzing from what was, yeah, I'm going to say it. I think it was the game of the year in the NFL. There's, there's like one, two, three candidates. This was hands down one of the candidates. This is probably the nuttiest game of the year. So there's that and just trying to figure out who's good. And who's not? Loaded show. Harry Gagnon will join us. We'll get you ready for Monday night with the Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All that more. Voicemails up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, before we get to voicemails, what an insane, insane, insane day at NFL football. And I have a question to anybody who's out there. In all honesty, do you know who exactly is the team to beat right now across the board in the NFL? Can you answer that question with absolute certainty the weekend before Thanksgiving? I think it's a resounding no. A couple weeks ago, everybody was counting the Buffalo Bills when they went to Arrowhead Stadium. Buffalo got steamrolled, steamrolled by the Indianapolis Colts. I think Jonathan Taylor just scored another touchdown. Buffalo can't run the ball, lacks an offensive identity, and has issues. They have serious, serious issues for a team that had Super Bowl expectations. They're going to be a playoff team. But from a standpoint of, oh, hands down, team to beat, road to the Super Bowl, goes through Buffalo, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. That was eye-opening today against the Colts. And they got two games coming up with the New England Patriots. New England could not have had a better day. I'm sure Bill Belichick was sipping on like a uh, Long Island iced tea or whatever his drink of choice may be, laughing at what these AFC competitors were doing today. How about the Titans losing outright to the Houston Texans? It's amazing. Tennessee has lost to the Jets, and they have lost to the Texans in the same year. I had a weird feeling about this game. This line seemed a little low at 10, but of course, I didn't have the courage. Of course, I didn't have the courage to go and bet the Houston Texans. Come on now. Titans have done me dirty far too many times. And what I think you're seeing from a Tennessee perspective is that lingering carryover effect of losing Derrick Henry. You know, you could survive it for a week or two, but to sit there and tell me that the Tennessee offense is going to be the same offense without one of the best running backs over the last 15 to 20 years in the NFL, give me a break. I'm not a big believer in the running back position being the be-all, end-all, but a guy like Henry kind of is for that team. The Browns. I'm done with them, by the way. Sorry, Larry and Florida. I won't be betting your team anytime soon. Barely beating the Detroit Lions. I mean, anybody who's taking bows for Cleveland going and winning that game, uh, go go check yourself. They stink. I mean, the idea of Cleveland finding a way to the postseason. And I like the coach. And I have always been a Baker Mayfield apologist. Baker's had a terrible season. I know he's hurt. I know he's beat up. I know he's getting chippy with the media. Baker Mayfield is not playing, playing like a guy that you want to go and pay $30 million a year to. You know? He's just not. He's a starting NFL quarterback. But the idea of him being a real difference maker, Mayfield is not a difference maker at that position, but they survived. One of the great wins of the day, Baltimore Ravens. Lamar ruled out basically an hour before kickoff. I'm scrambling in my fantasy league where I have him with the great Tommy Keaton. I'm saying, well, we got to pick up somebody. We picked up Tua, and it was okay. He was solid. Not spectacular, but solid against the Jets. And the Ravens knocked Justin Fields out. They survived Andy Dalton cooking for a little bit. And they rallied back with Tyler Huntley, at quarterback. And they avoid losing back-to-back games. That's a monster win for the Ravens. Especially with the way everything else went in the AFC. Vikings, probably one of the candidates for most important win of the day. 34-31 to over the Packers. This game was nuts. It was back and forth. All sorts of scoring. Cousins to Jefferson, Cousins to Thielen. Then Aaron Rodgers answered back. I thought for sure Minnesota was going to yuck it up in the final couple of minutes. Yes, I might have thrown a few shekels down on the Minnesota Vikings. Big plays from Dalvin Cook late. Game-winning field goal for the Vikings late. And they are very much alive in that race for the sixth and the seventh seed within the NFC. Why do I bring up the sixth and the seventh seed? New Orleans has clearly come back to the pack. Glad that we hopped back on the Philadelphia Eagles. 40 points against that New Orleans defense. They ran the football like crazy. Hurts had 70 yards. Sanders had 94 yards. Howard had 63 yards. That's going to be their MO. We're going to run it. 
We're going to work play action. You're not going to respect our passing game. And maybe Jalen Hurts is going to have some opportunities. That's exactly the way this game played out. Jalen Hurts made plays with his legs. He's not a great thrower of the football. He's an athletic dude. Three touchdowns. And if you look at Philadelphia's schedule, Giants twice, Washington football team, Jets. I think they have the football team twice. They are a team that could find their way into the postseason, which is crazy to say because a month ago you would have laughed at that prospect. Philadelphia's got a chance to make the postseason. The football team had a nice win today. Survived a little Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey magic, but McCorn, you give him a quarterback, he is a top-notch, tremendous playmaking wide receiver. 27-21 Washington football team over the Carolina Panthers. Carolina had a chance to seize one of those wild cards. They come back to the pack. I'll tell you a team that is positioned to go and get one of those playoff spots, San Francisco. I was fearful of San Francisco having a letdown spot against the Jaguars. Didn't happen. Clean game for the most part from Garoppolo. Debo Samuel, they're basically using him as a running back. He's, he's catching passes, doing everything. Debo Samuel is one of my favorite players in the NFL. I just love watching that dude go out and ball. 30 to 10 over Jacksonville. That is exactly what you should do against, you know, a garbage type team. Four o'clock slate. The Raiders look cooked. That was my takeaway from Cincinnati 32 to 13 over the Raiders. The Raiders now, in the aftermath of the Gruden, in the aftermath of what happened with Henry Ruggs, they look like a defeated team. They're not making big plays. Their secondary is vulnerable. Their run defense is vulnerable. And Cincinnati was too much. Joe Mixon, late Joe Burrow. He took a beating in the first half. He gets back up. I love the swagger that he plays with. And Cincinnati got a much-needed win considering they had so many games coming up within their division. Game of the day ended up being a fizzle as far as the matchup goes. Cowboys and Chiefs. Sometimes football is simple, folks. If you can't block at the point of attack, you can't win. I know Dallas didn't have Amari Cooper. I know Dallas didn't have CeeDee Lamb in the second half of this game. You can't block at the point of attack, you'll cook. They had no answers for Kansas City in their front. Chris Jones was all over the place. Spags called a fantastic game. His defenses usually get better. As the year goes on, this was not vintage Kansas City offensively. I actually thought Dallas played a really good defensive game. After, like, the opening drive, they settled in. Michael Parsons was making plays. They forced a couple of turnovers. Dallas just couldn't get anything going on offense. Couldn't run the ball. Screwed up the end of the first half. Deserved to lose the game. I don't think it's a big deal for the Cowboys. They got to get right on the offensive line. They got to get some dudes back. But Kansas City is putting themselves in a position where, after everything, they might be a two-seed, for all we know. They might be hosting that first weekend of the playoffs in a 2-7 matchup. We're kind of on our way for that with the way these standings are shaking out in the AFC, considering how much the North is going to beat up on one another. Arizona took down Seattle 23-13. And, hey, silver lining for New York football fans, the Bears and the Seahawks losing. That's good. The Giants have the Bears pick. The Jets have the Seahawks pick. We could be looking at four New York picks within the top 10. I don't think that's an outlandish thought. Seattle only with 13 points and Colt McCoy winning another game on the road. How about that? Now, before we get to voicemails, how about that Sunday night game? And I hope you stayed up and watched it because it was worth the price of admission. The Steelers didn't have T.J. Watt. They didn't have Joe Hayden. They didn't have Minka Fitzpatrick. And with the way Herbert, Eckler, and the Chargers were moving the ball in the first two and a half quarters of this game, it looked like they were going to score every time they got it. It looked like they were going to drop 60. And it looked like they were going to run the Steelers out of the building. I had the Steelers plus six and a half. Full disclosure. I'm getting annoyed they're kicking field goals. I'm getting annoyed with some of the play calling around the goal line, yada, yada, yada. You get a block punt. You get a deflected Herbert pass up in the air that they intercept. And then you get a fourth down stop when the Chargers go for it. Fourth and one, 
high ball game. Right call by Brandon Staley. You know he coaches New Age. You know he loves going for it. His team held to a field goal. Then the Steelers defense had a massive lapse in coverage, and basically Mike Williams had a walk-in 50-yard touchdown. And the Chargers survived easily one of the nuttiest games they're going to see. That's the sort of loss that could kill a year. You're up 17 midway through the third quarter against a team that's got no defensive players. You can't lose that game. I credit the Steelers for showing a lot of fight. Roethlisberger, who I've been very hard on this year because I think in many ways his best days are behind him, and he's basically on the 17th or the 18th hole of his NFL career. He played well coming off COVID. I thought he swung it pretty good. He had good connection with Chase Claypool. He got his team back in the game. I thought Roethlisberger played fine. I think that's a positive game from a Steeler perspective. Like, I'd feel good about that if I could get my guys back, knowing I got Bengals, Browns, all these games coming up over the next few weeks. On the other hand, the Chargers, they better figure out what's going on in defense. I mean, if they if they think they're going to be able to play that caliber of defense and win anything in the postseason or even get to the postseason, they got another thing coming. But they found a way. And the Chargers, historically speaking, find a way to lose that game. So I guess... You take a positive from winning the game, I guess, I guess, I guess. And how salty was Al Michaels? I mean, my goodness, Al with the Steelers coming back in that game. He sounded like a guy who was losing a pretty penny on uh, L.A. minus six and a half. Just a little food for thought. All right, voicemail time. And in case you're wondering, all right, how do I get in touch with New York, New York? Very simple. 917-382-1151. That's where we make our magic. What do we got, you, Rudy? Hey, JJ, Sean from Long Island. Thanks for taking the call, man. Hope you enjoyed that Jets Dolphins circus today as much as I did. You know, three in a row for the Dolphins is great, but, uh, hard to be very bullish on either team that's following the, uh, the job they did today. JJ, I kind of like an ask you anything question though. It has to do with the Jets Dolphins game today. These kickers in the league today. It's just, I'm so confounded by their inability to find 30 or 32 guys that can do this job in the year 2021. You know, sports these days, billions and billions of dollars put into it. The thing about different sports with the analytics involved, if you're a pitcher, you go to some camp, change up the way you do things. And, you know, in 2021, I can't believe that we're still in a place where guys can do the same job, high school, through college, through the pros. Nothing really changes about it. But still, in 2021, we can't find guys that could do this job as well as I would expect. Uh, I just want to get your take on that. Is it a mental thing? Is it just it's kicking way harder than, you know, it looks? I'm sure it is. But it always kind of breaks my brain that still, still we cannot find an abundance of guys that could do this job properly. Thanks so much, JJ. Take care. You know, Sean, I was thinking about this watching a bunch of games today. Aside from Justin Tucker, Butker, who's tremendous for the Chiefs, and whoever New England has is their place kicker. Currently, it's Nick Falk, but in years past, it was Guskowski, and other lifetimes ago, it was Adam Benatari. There are certain kickers that are automatic. And then there are certain guys that they're automatic for a year, and then they stink the following year. For example, Jason Sanders with the Dolphins. Last year, couldn't miss a field goal. Could not miss. 45, 55, 35, could not miss. This year, he's missed like seven field goals. I equate field goal kickers to relief pitchers in baseball. They're very year to year. There are certain guys that can rise above that, but there are a majority of the grouping, a majority of the place kickers, a majority of the relievers that are very much year by year. And I think if you're a coaching staff or you run a team, that's something you have to be hyper, hyper aware of. So, yeah, the kicking all over the place today was an absolute mess, including the Jet Dolphin game. I mean, that sequence at the end of the first half. I mean, at least Amendola missed, what was it, like a 56-yard field goal, 55-yard field goal? Sanders was missing like a chippy. I felt like I could have gone out there and kicked that. Yikes. Who's next? What's up, JJ? Tom from Jersey. Dolphins win today. I always say you can go 2-14, and 14, or I guess now we could say 2-15. and 15. As long as those two wins are against the Jets, the successful season. Uh, this year, we could say 3-14, and 14, the Giants as well. But great win today, so it looked good. Uh, it's always good to beat the Jets. But here's what I take from today's action. The AFC stinks. 
I, I just think that's the bottom line. And while everybody has their issues, here come the Pats and here come the Chiefs. And so really at the end of 2021, what is the difference from any of the last however many years? Chiefs, Pats, and everybody else. I mean, the Titans, what an egg today. Embarrassment. I know you're not happy about that as you pick them. Uh, the Browns. So luckily I got through that. Now I got to sit here tonight and watch overrated Herbert and shitty Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, oh, and I forgot to mention my wife's team, the Bills. Hello? What the hell was that? I mean, Josh Allen, I said this to you in an earlier voicemail this year. I said he was regressing back to previous years, Josh Allen. I'm sorry, but he's doing it again. And last time you said slow down with that. Are you going to say the same thing to me now? Because what is he doing? The turnovers and just, he can't lead that team to victory. There's a, there's a serious problem in Buffalo. They got out coached today. I mean, I love Frank Wright. Love betting on him. But I really was with you. I thought the Bills would take care of business today. They stink. So everybody stinks. The Pats are down first place. So from that point of view, I'm miserable. But hey, fucking sins up. Go Dolphins. Suck it, Jet fan. I hope you all hear this voicemail and you can eat it because you're still garbage and you always will be. I cannot have the same approach with the idea of like being giddy about the Jets losing to the Dolphins twice and me feeling good about my football season. No, I can't. I can't. If anything, like I was enjoying the game today. Don't get me wrong. I was into it. I was giddy. The bomb to Matt Collins. I was fired up. And even the touchdown pass that two or threw to, what was it, Miles Gaskin. The entire protection on the offensive line broke down. He's basically got to step up and show, like, serious awareness just to get the ball out of his hands to score. Like, I was super stoked about that. I was happy. But I was thinking back, losing to Jacksonville on the final play of the game. Losing to Atlanta on the final play of the game. You win one of those two games, you win two of those two games. Miami is right there in the AFC as far as trying to make the postseason. Now, I mean, they, they need to win their next three games, and they still need a miracle in order to get in. So, I mean, listen, I just, I just want them to win next week so they got some life when I go down there in two weeks. I'm not even greedy. But your point on the AFC is fair. It is there for the taking. Allen has not been as prolific as he was last year. He's still been very good. I mean, he was very good last week against the Jets. He was not very good against Jacksonville. Miami beat him up for about two and a half quarters. Then he kind of came alive in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter. I think what's really hurting the Buffalo Bills is that they have absolutely no running game. None whatsoever. They're basically asking Josh Allen to do everything. And I think what's going to end up really hurting Buffalo, you're playing games up in Western New York, and it's 30 degrees throughout December and January. You don't have a running game that you can rely on. Tough to win games that way. Indy's dangerous. I have felt that way for a while. They're a well-coached team. They're physical. They got some really good players. The quarterback doesn't screw it up. That's a team that I think can absolutely make the postseason. I have to look at their schedule. Sure, we'll be doing a lot of that over the next couple of weeks. That's a team I wouldn't want to play in January. Remember, Indianapolis gave Buffalo a run for their money last year in that game. They were right there. Who's next? JJ, Chris from Springfield. So I just finished watching this Seattle Seahawks game. Russell Wilson's about to lose another game. He loses to a backup, Colt McCoy. It's clear and obvious. His time there is coming to an end. That coach has got to go. They've done a horrible job drafting. What does this have to do with New York? Well, I'm a Giants fan. Tomorrow night, Daniel Jones plays the biggest game of his career. Now, if he wins, you will hear the hype train start back up. All us Giants fans will be all in again. This is the biggest game of his career. Not to mention he's facing a secondary that he should exploit. All this to say, if Daniel Jones can't get it done, and Daniel Jones can't make any progress and any any progression, from now to the end of the season, Russell Wilson is the guy the Giants got to go after. They they got 
right now, as of right now, the fifth and sixth draft pick. You got to go get this guy. Go get him. Go be, go, go harder, go home. There's no other way. I'm rooting for the Giants tomorrow. I want Daniel Jones to do well, but man, man, with a guy like that, by the week becoming increasingly more and more likely he'll be available in the offseason, Daniel Jones has got to prove a lot, especially if we get a new GM this offseason. I'm out. I do think there's a realistic chance that this could be the final year for Russell Wilson in Seattle. Seattle has seen their team regress over the last few years. There were reports a year ago that there was this disconnect between Wilson, the front office, Wilson, the franchise. And listen, you know, for his brand, he, Ciara, they love the idea of being in New York City. In order for me to figure out that what's going to happen with the New York Giants, you got to see how the remainder of this season goes. You have to tell me who the general manager is going to be, who's calling the shots, how is Jones playing, and is Wilson available? To say, like, the weekend before Thanksgiving, hands down, that's the guy I want, I can't say that yet. Is it possible? Absolutely it's possible. Yes, I'm going to entertain that thought. Yeah, I'm going to think long and hard about that thought. But long way to go. I think the Giants would be in on Wilson with the right general manager making the call. I do. I think if it's the current regime, gentlemen, no chance. They'll double and triple down on Daniel Jones. But Wilson's play this year has been brutal. Now, I'm not worried about him. I think it's a weird year. I think he's a top-notch player. I think he's fine. I think he'll be A-OK next season. That might scare some folks off, though. They're going to look at Russell Wilson's play this year. I mean, they had 13 points that I think in six. 13 points. Their offense has actually moved the ball better this year when Geno Smith has been in their quarterback which is, is crazy to say because Russell Wilson's my dude. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. Seattle at 3-7. and Kind of had a feeling one of these years the bottom was going to fall out from the Seahawks. With Wilson, at quarterback, it's like he would never allow it to happen. Well, we're seeing it this year because I don't think it gets any easier for them from a scheduling standpoint. Not in the NFC West. All right, last but not least, who's up? Hey, JJ, it's uh, Andy from Michigan. Just wanted to chime in uh, with the Yankee point. But before I get to my Yankee point, I just want to address these talking heads in football who were going on and on about how Buffalo and the, you know, the Titans are, are you know, the teams to be in the AFC. And as you can see, JJ, and you've been talking about on your podcast, the, the Patriots are on fire. Uh, I obviously think that, like I said, they get home field, it's a wrap. I mean, Buffalo, I mean, like I said, they got absolutely destroyed today. Um, I have no faith in them. I don't have no, not, not even Tennessee. Like I said, these guys on the road in New England, they, they will not beat Belichick. Like I said, teams like Buffalo who lose to Jacksonville and, uh, you know, they lose, they got destroyed today. And of course, you know, you got, um, Tennessee, uh, losing today, getting killed. I mean, like I said, they're, like, I don't trust these teams. At all, I, you can see that Belichick's team, he's back to the number one defense. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, yes, the, the, the only thing that might hold him back, of course, is the rookie quarterback. But I, like I said, I, I trust Belichick. But uh, let me get to my Yankee point. So according to Joel Sermon, Joe, uh, you know, the, from the New York Post, that uh, the Yankees, according to him, saying that they were talking, according to agents, excuse me, and executives, the Yankees have shown little interest in, in any, you know, some of the top trust ups in the market. Now, listen, I, obviously these guys signed Boone to an extension. My trust with the Yankees right now is at all time low. I don't trust what none of these guys do. These guys are blind to what's going on with this team. So my question to you, Joe, uh, JJ is this. What do you, what do you honestly think the Yankees are going to do regarding the shortstop and, you know, any other moves this season? And because, uh, like I said, I, I was—I'm uh, not surprised reading that article by Joel Sherman. Uh, I just want to get your take on it, JJ. My gut feel right now, Andy, smokescreen, absolute smokescreen from a Yankee standpoint. Now, I do not think they're signing Correa, and I think the comments involving Derek Jeter made it that much more difficult to go and make a play for Correa. It doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but I know some Yankee fans are going to feel otherwise. I think Correa ends up 
with the Detroit Tigers. I've kind of felt this way for the last few weeks. That has not changed. I think Seager is the Yankees guy. I think they want him. I think they know they can move him over to third base. I do think the Yankees are aware of the fact they have to pay Aaron Judge. But you have a team that has gone backwards. You have to be more desperate. You have to be more aggressive. The idea of selling me on Andrelton Simmons or Freddie Galvis playing shortstop for the New York Yankees is not going to be incredibly appealing. And I know they have top prospects that are waiting down in the minor leagues. I get that. But Yankee history with the prospects. I mean, they're not exactly batting a 1,000. Clint Frazier got DFA'd over the weekend. Clint Frazier was supposed to be can't miss in the Andrew Miller trade a couple of years ago. Can't miss. A couple of years later, he's gone. The ultimate what could have been. Out of any of the DFA guys for the Yankees, Wade actually surprised me the most. Rugi, I kind of figured they'd say goodbye. It was a little pricey. I figured they'd look to move Frazier at some point. I thought they really liked Wade. And Wade was good for them down a the stretch. Played a bunch of different positions. Came an element of speed. And I was surprised they moved on there. I think the Yankees moving on from Wade basically tells you they're going to get in the shortstop. But I think it's Corey Seager. I think there's a lot of smoke that's out there right about now. So let's see these guys fall off the board, and then we'll kind of bellyache and complain about it. We'll get you ready for Monday Night Football. The Giants and the Buccaneers. It's a hefty number. Will the Giants once again be good enough to lose? We're going to welcome in our buddy, our pal, the great Harry Gagnon. Against all odds, he hasn't joined the pod in a while. It's a crazy day of football. We'll see if he's betting the Giants tomorrow. He's up next. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven, and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax. Participating U.S. stores, see app for full terms. All rights reserved. So after what was another wild, insane day of NFL football, we got a Monday night game involving his beloved New York Giants. I thought it was a perfect time to welcome back from the degenerate trifecta, extra points, Cousin Sal's main man. The great Harry G. What's up, Harry Gagnon? JJ, it's been too long. What's up, buddy? How are you? Well, Harry, it's great having you on, number one. Number two, do you have any idea how to figure out the NFL this season? Dude, I mean, can you think of a crazier, more topsy-turvy year in which you try to figure out what's what and who's who? And every week, I'm still trying to find answers. Every single week, we think that this team is the team, and they end up not being the team. Today, what we saw out of Tennessee was disgusting. I know the weather was awful, but the Texans had a play in it too. And Ty, Ty Taylor was fantastic for the Texans. Amazing there. Look at look at Arizona. Tyler who? I mean, it's Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy goes to 35 completions, has over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. I mean, he fills in great. And Arizona looks like the team right now, but I don't know. Dallas slipped. And by the way, congratulations to your Dolphins. At four and seven, you're not out of it. Isn't it crazy? And you know what their next three games are? Listen. The idea of them winning three games in a row sounds outlandish, like they're going to win another three games in a row. Carolina at home, at your home against your Giants, yeah. home against the Jets. Can they win the next three? <laughs> that is something. Because if they get to seven and seven, they're very much alive. Very oh, absolutely. alive. Absolutely. I mean, injuries and everything takes, you know, all over the place. Minus 68 point differential for the Dolphins, but still four and seven. If you get to seven and seven, who knows? It's crazy. Hey, crawl before you can walk. Um, the biggest stunner to me of the day was Tennessee, but I'd be very concerned about Buffalo, Harry. You know yeah. you loved them last year. Mm-hmm. We talked about that throughout the season. This year, they kind of had that feeling, that look of an AFC favorite, especially with the early season struggles at Kansas City. But when you can't run the football and you're as one-dimensional as they are on mm-hmm. offense, that's going to be tough to overcome when you're playing games in December and January against really good defenses, 
in crappy weather in Buffalo. I don't like that from the Bills' perspective. And they got punked by the Colts today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Singletary, Moss, they're not getting anything on the ground. If it's anything, it's it's Allen. And Allen's trying today, obviously, tried to do too much. Um, Frank Reich, nice payback from the playoff game last year with Colts could have won a couple, couple, couple plays. They they could have beat Buffalo last year. They got him. He got him back to today, big time. Colts look great. And how about listen? Is it is it? I know it's a bias towards the MVP in the NFL towards a quarterback, but uh, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, is it crazy to think that this guy could in his second year could win the MVP? This guy is going crazy. Two hundred yards, five touchdowns today, and getting the Colts back in position where they could strike and still get the South. You know, you bring up a good point with the MVP. There's been such a bias with quarterbacks over the last eight to 10 years. It's just out of control. It's crazy. Um, A lot of people were all over the Allen MVP odds. I feel like they're Mm going to take a step back. Now, Brady can maybe go crazy Monday Mm -hmm. night and enhance his chances of winning the award. You would, if you had to make a bet right now on an MVP, you would put your money on Jonathan Taylor? That's interesting. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I wouldn't. I just thought that it's, it's yeah, it is interesting. because I think look, it's worth look, bringing look, up. I do. Yeah. I mean, he had five touchdowns. Right. The team is back in playoff contention. I well, We were talking about Henry a couple weeks ago for an MVP, and he's putting mm-hmm. up close to Derrick Henry numbers. And Henry put up 2,000 yards last year and still didn't get really consideration from the MVP. So it's really tough. But, yeah, if Brady, you're right, though. If Brady goes nuts on Monday night, um, yeah, he's back in the mix, too. And you said, Allen, I mean, terrible game today for the, him and the Bills. And I know before the season started, JJ, when we spoke about over-unders for the season, and we talked, and I did love the Bills over 10.5. You get the extra game. They won 13 last year. Why was it only 10.5? I think we're seeing it a little bit right now, and you nailed it. No running game. Okay, buddy. You think about your card this Sunday. What was your favorite play? What was your biggest regret? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, we I'm always have regrets. Right. I can tell you. Oh, yeah, my, yeah. You know what I thought my biggest regret was going to be? The What's Steelers that? plus six and a half, two and oh. a half quarters into that game. That's what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> right, right. I'll tell you what, JJ, I'm not, you know, on extra points, do my crazy videos every single day with my pick every single day. We've been doing it since we've uh, started. Today, my pick, yesterday, my pick uh, on, on Saturday, I loved Utah over Oregon. I knew so did I. Or, that Oregon line was a Utah yep. favored. That was all you needed to know. Harry, we were lock mm-hmm. in step. I hammered Utah. Favorite play and, of the weekend. Yep. Beautiful. Me too, JJ. And, and 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 today it was the Vikings. I love the Vikings. That nice was, that call. Was another, I bet another it. I didn't include game. it in the super contest, though, because I'm a dumbass. And I just, I'll tell you what it is. I have too much PTSD from betting against Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean, oh, yeah, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the right side. I made money on it. You made more money on it. But, like, when I was doing the picks Friday with the great Joe Beningo, I couldn't include the Vikings because I I had Seattle. I had a bunch of other times I went against the Packers, and they come uh-huh. up lame every time. I was like, eh, I'm not going to do that again. That was crazy. That was a crazy thing. But what I regret is, uh, how about this one? Every single week, I do a three-team money line parlay on underdogs. Today, I went Colts, uh, and then I went Washington. And how about I had the Bears? Are you kidding uh, me? Uh, Are you, you got kidding the, me? Now, you got the Bears with that money line parlay Sunday before the Lamar news? Or are we talking Thursday or Friday? Uh, I got it before. Oh, dude. I got it cruel. before. That's cruel. And it's cruel. I mean, to get the fourth and 11 after Dalton completing the touchdown for the pass for the touchdown, I got the game there. Just hold them. Come on. They haven't done anything. Huntley hasn't done anything. And you let them go right down the field and score in 20 seconds. That was awful. I mean, Baltimore's right, pulled game. Baltimore's pulling game out of uh, game out of their box. Well, think non-stop. about it. They did against Detroit. They did against Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. They did against Chicago, and they couldn't do it against my team. They have played not as good as their record would indicate. Now today, you give them a pass because they're missing a, a crap load of dudes. I get mm-hmm. that, but that is a warning sign. I think when we look at the Ravens come the month of January, I do. Who wins? Who wins the North in your opinion? Browns are in last at six and five. Well, I think either the Ravens or the Steelers will end up winning that mm. division. I do. But I'm just saying from a playoff standpoint of thinking of one of those teams going to the Super Bowl, team like Baltimore is not going to be able to pull these games out of thin air doing it two or three times throughout January. No chance. It's insane. It's crazy, right? We got a Monday night football game involving your team. Your team, I've noticed in the Daniel Jones era, 
You like to cover. Mm. You don't like to win in these primetime spots. Here's my problem. Angry Tom Brady. I hate the idea of getting Brady and the Buccaneers off of a loss. I would have liked it a lot more if I was getting the Giants and the Buccaneers where Tampa was coming off an easy win. Right. It's a massive number. Do you have a strong lean on the game? No, not really. I mean, look, Me the Giants a couple, couple weeks ago played really tough on Monday night against the uh, Chiefs, lost by three, covered easily. Uh, this is another spot, like you just said, yeah, an angry Brady. But I, I don't know about the cover here, JJ, but how about this? Tampa Bay gets back to basics. They pound the ball. They run the ball. Fournette gets back into action. Giants are 25th in the league uh, in yards against 21st against the run. Fournette over 62 and a half rushing yards. I love that for a prop play on Monday night. College football. And I know you are dialed in. We have some of the opening lines for what is going to be a great Saturday in college football. Michigan, Ohio State, Bedlam, Iron Bowl whole lot of ramifications when it comes to the college football playoff. Are you surprised that Ohio State's only favored by, what, eight points against Michigan? I'm a little surprised by that line. I'm not. A a little because of the way they've been playing. I mean, two weeks in a row, they've just destroyed everybody. But Penn State hung with them, and Penn State's uh, the week before that. They had Ohio State hadn't covered the two weeks before that. But, boy, they've looked unbelievable. Stroud is fantastic. Touchdowns, yards. Olave had a big game yesterday. but Michigan still on the road yesterday pounded Maryland. You know, they got a great running attack. Uh, love Haskins. Um, yeah, Harbaugh can't beat Ohio State. It's, it's the facts. It can't be done. He can't do it. Can he do it on Saturday? And I'll tell you what, I think maybe they can. I think they can cover. I like this team. I like the defense that they play to. And JJ, as of right now, I think I'm going to be at the big house. You're going to be at the big house. Have you ever gone to Ohio State, Michigan? Never been. Never That's been. a bucket list type task, man. Good it is, you. right? Yeah. What what prompted that? Do you have like Ohio State connections, a, Michigan a, connections? A buddy of yeah, a buddy of mine. Okay. Uh buddy of ours, my buddy of Sal's as well from college. His niece goes to Michigan. She's a freshman. And his brother bought tickets. They're not gonna they're not able to go. He asked me if I wanted to go. I think we're on a flight Friday morning, uh, after Thanksgiving up Dan Arbor. I like the sound of that. And I expect a good picture or two. You'll have to oh, let me know about the local watering holes that I need to uh, need to venture to if I ever make Be my way blast. to Ann Arbor. You got to let me know where to go. Give me all the spots and we take it from there. Uh, Absolutely. Who do we got? Before we say goodbye, college football playoff. Gutfield. George is going to be there. The Buckeyes, I think, are going to be there. Who's going to be mm-hmm. joining them? Um, I think Alabama still, but you know who I'm hoping for, JJ? I want them to get the shot. I want them to get the shot is Cincinnati. I love Radler. I, 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 I love this team. I love the running back uh, who's got 16 touchdowns this year. I think they deserve a shot Cincinnati after what uh, they did last year and not and only uh, lost to Georgia in the bowl game by three. I think they deserve to play against the big boys. Will they go undefeated Cincinnati? One loss, big 12. You That's know, the question. I think and me and brother Bry a couple of weeks ago called out Oklahoma. I thought they're a fraud, they're a fraudulent team. Like I called out Oregon uh, this week, but boy, I'll tell you, Oklahoma state is playing great ball. Uh, they've already, cl- I mean, they're going to have to play Oklahoma back to back. Favored by three and a half in the bedlam game this weekend. And I don't know what you would end up getting. I guess if they ended up winning, you would get that game again. Right. Is that how it works? I, 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 I think that's it. And, and, and and something that you don't see in the Big 12, how about Oklahoma State? How about the Cowboys pitching shutout on Saturday? I mean, Big that's 12. impressive. I mean, I mean that yeah. never happens, dude. I mean, not, that, exactly, so I, uh, not exactly Iowa and Wisconsin, just saying. Exactly. But you know what? I mean, look, I mean, if Michigan wins, I, I, I gotta, I'm holding the ticket, JJ. If Michigan beats Ohio State, then they probably have to play probably uh, Wisconsin. I'm holding the ticket on Michigan for the national championship at 80 to one and at 80 to one, you can have a little fun moving, shaking, <laughs> finagling to make sure you're cutting a profit. Harry Gagnon, always great catching up, but it's been too long. And you notice I didn't even bring up what happened Saturday at the Terrier Dome between uh, I know, man. Syracuse oh. and, uh, and Colgate. Hopefully we'll get some good Atlantis action Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the boys are back where they need to be. Fingers crossed, let's, you know. Let's do it. Do it. And by the way, JJ, one other tidbit on NHL. For guys out there who 
on your show. Love, I know you love talking hockey and everything. I'll tell you this. I've been on some of these picks with Sal on extra points. The Kraken. The Kraken. 15 of 18 You would be games. on the Kraken. I, you would be. 15 of 18 games. Six goals or more. The over and the Kraken. It's, 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 it's a sneaky pick these days. Look out because 15 of 18, six goals or more. Harry Gagnon is all over it every which way. You're looking for edge, he's going to find an edge. The Don't cracking, be a stranger, JJ, buddy. I'm sure we will catch up before the Christmas holiday, but happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, okay? You too, JJ. Enjoy. Take care, bud. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good stuff there with Harry. And when it comes to this Monday night game, it is a very, very tough game to handicap. A lot of my initial instincts towards this game were that Tampa Bay was going to blow them out. Awful loss. Angry Brady. I've had some second thoughts. And the reason I've had second thoughts in this game, a couple of different factors. One, Giants are a lot healthier on offense. Galladay another week. Tony another week. Should see Saquon Barkley. The other factor is the Giants in these primetime games, they play a lot of tight primetime games. Recently, at least. They lose. It's probably going to be painful. That's just usually the way a script works in a lot of these games. Tight, 24-20, late Jones interception, strip sack, something along those lines. What do we say about the New York Giants? Good enough to lose? That's the feeling I have going into this game. I think they will be in it. I think they will play spirited. I think you'll get more offense than what you got out of this team against the Raiders the last time we saw them, against the Chiefs a couple of weeks back. But I think their defense will fall short in slowing down Tom Brady. So I'll take the Giants to cover this game. I don't love it. I think Tampa wins. I'll take the Giants to cover. Let's say. 27-21 Buccaneers. So inside that 11. If the Giants could ever win this game, and there are a lot of cities, and there are a lot of personalities probably making these points throughout the NFC, because the last two wild cards within the NFC, these records, I mean, if you get to, nine is nine to me is a lot to get you in the playoffs in the NFC. Arizona's nine and two. Green Bay's at eight and three. Dallas is at seven and three. LA's at seven and three. Tampa's at six and three. All right, so that's one, two, three, four, five teams. Minnesota five and five. New Orleans five and five. San Fran five and five. Philly five and six. Carolina five and six. Washington and Atlanta are four and six. Get to four and six. You're in the cast of thousands. Not that I think the Giants are going to make the playoffs, but if you want to dare to dream. This is your opportunity to do Jeff Money, you had a rough Sunday, buddy. I got your heads up. I got you by the skin of my teeth. Do we have a family play for the Giants and the Buccaneers? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap of picks. As you already know this answer, this could be for Monday, the Monday night football game. As you know, I'm already rolling with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus the 10 and a half. We already went over this, of course, and I'm sure you're most likely going the other way. And as far as the early games, you know, up to this point, when I uh, started calling up here, it didn't start, I saw it a little bit rough. You're doing okay. And uh, we'll see how the rest of the games go. So, again, I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the Monday night game, minus a 10.5. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. See, I have a little brain fart. I totally blanked on the fact that Jeff Money included Tampa as a part of the Super Contest place. Jeff Money's not going to like the fact that we will be heads up on this particular game. I'm going to ride with the Giants. I'm going to take the points. Jeff Money, we'll see if you can avoid the schneid. It was a good week for yours truly. Three and two. Joe B, one and four. So I grow my lead. 
Very rare that you could be seven games over 500 and be leading the old school, new school competition. But this is like the race for the playoffs in the NFC. Somebody's got to win, and it might as well be me. Might as well be me. I hope to see everybody at catch before Monday Night Football. We'll be rocking there. Astoria, it's a great spot. Food is really good. Drinks are super cold. Astoria catch. Then Heifetz and I, after the game, green room. We will post our giant green room to reaction from the Monday night game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you want to find that. Catch, pregame. Heifetz and I, green room, postgame. The dynamic duo reunites. And then we'll be back later in the week. Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon is probably when we'll have. So we're not doing our normal Tuesday pod. It will probably be like Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon is when it's going to drop. And that'll be our pod getting you ready for Thanksgiving and all that mumbo jumbo. So a little bit of a different schedule. I'm glad that I realized this. Monday, green room, posted. Pod, getting you ready for football. Thanksgiving games, the weekend. Knicks, Lakers, all that's going to be on Wednesday. Well, that's going to be on Wednesday. Fellas, they'll be ready. They'll be ready to rock, and then they're going to go enjoy their Thanksgiving holidays. I'm going to eat like 10 zillion slices of pumpkin pie. Thank goodness for Peloton. That's all I'm going to say. Thank goodness for Peloton. Thank goodness for the NFL. Steelers and Chargers. That put me in a stellar mood. Oh, my goodness. I'm like riding high between that and that bomb from two of the Matt Collins. It's definitely a Sunday. That's all I'm going to say. Get me to Sunday. All right, JJ out. Enjoy your Monday. We'll see you catch. We'll catch you on the green room. Be good, everybody. 